Jared Shoemaker is an American Olympic triathlete. He is the 2009 ITU duathlon world champion. At the 2014 World Triathlon Championships in Edmonton, he made history by becoming the highest male finish for an American triathlete at a world championship event. He competed at the 2008 Olympics in Beijing. So welcome, Jared. Thank you. Really, really excited to talk to you guys. So leading up to the Olympic fever, I messaged Jared, uh, giving him my race predictions for men, women and mixed team relay and asked him for his and he messaged back directly and agreed to come on to our little podcast to discuss the outcome and the impact of the mixed team relay in the Olympics. So Jared, your medal predictions for the <laughs> <laughs> were Great Britain's Alex Yi. Spain's Mario Mola and Tyler Mislachuk from Canada with USA's Morgan Pearson as a wild card. So, yeah, yeah you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wasn't much better. I predicted Miss Lodchuk for the win, who won the test event two years prior. Uh, I predicted Norway's Christian Blumenfeld, who, as we all know, won the race in the end. Uh, and for bronze, South Africa's Henry Schumann, who, who won bronze in Rio. So, yeah, we kind of both only got one right and not in the correct position. But, you know, yeah, that's the nature of the sport. I think <laughs> maybe if we had known that certain people were injured, <laughs> yeah. you know, our predictions might have changed, right? But, I mean, I think that's the cool thing about men's racing right now is that it is wide open. Um, there's not really a dominant person. And so, yeah, I, I, it was an amazing race though. I was, I was, I was loving every second of it. Who would have guessed that start gun going off though, with the <laughs> giant boat marrying half the athletes. And I think Christian Blumenfeld was part of that first half that dived in and had to sprint for 50 meters straight. And from the sounds of it, it was a pretty aggressive swim with Australia's Jacob Weltless ending up with a broken nose. So, yeah. I, I've never seen that happen before, right? And, um, and I, I, was, I was watching it, you know, because they kind of, I don't know what the coverage was like for you, but in the US, they kind of cut in and it was like 10 seconds to go. And I'm looking <laughs> going, wait, hold on, there's a boat there. <laughs> and you know it, it was just weird right you just normally don't see those things and so we think that maybe the guy who was starting the race or the woman was just told all right you're starting this race at 6 30 <laughs> on the dot and they just did their own countdown and blew the horn but oh my gosh you know what what a crazy thing to happen at an olympics above all everything else yeah 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 i mean like it made me think though whether like which side of the group you'd like to be on because obviously being Jake but Whistle getting a broken nose is not what you want and um yeah there may have been other mishaps that we haven't heard of but on the other hand you have the athletes that are still on the pontoon they're very relaxed and they're chatting and laughing but I do wonder if there was any benefit from like jumping in the water and raising your heart rate or if that just wasted energy so I wonder Jared like what group you would have preferred to be in in this situation Oh, I don't know. And, you know, that probably actually hits a bit more on each athlete's sports psychology. You know, what, mm -hmm. what would be better for them? There are certain athletes that would want to stay relaxed and chill and not do it. There are other athletes that that, that little burst of adrenaline would actually be good for them. I, I you know, I don't know. Um, 
I mean, part of me says I'd rather be on the side that didn't get in because I, I was always, um, I was always under at the beginning of races. I was a little bit lethargic. And so that's how I was. But on the other hand, I might've actually been better on the other side, diving in and getting that in because then you are amped up a little bit more. So I honestly don't know. I mean, if I had to just pick one, I'd say I, I probably would have been better off diving in and getting a little bit of the swim in um, just, just to get those nerves out, to get the blood flowing. Um, but yeah, I, you know, who knows? And in, in, in very interesting one way or another to, to look at that, maybe even ask the athletes. I'm sure they'd have interesting things to say. As long as they didn't hit the boat, you yeah. know, <laughs> then you're fine. I mean, like they could have like jumped on the boat and then done next to jump off for like extra um, propulsion, but no one tried yeah. that. Yeah. And, and I don't know, I, I was always, a, and I still am a very rule bound person. So I feel like I probably would have been like on the right side, looking over and going, there's a boat there. They're going to start us, but they shouldn't be starting us because those people can't go. So I might've been the one person who didn't dive in on the right side. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, this is an Olympics. I want to make sure that I'm like actually starting the race. But then again, this yeah. isn't right. <laughs> yeah, it's mm. so interesting. But I guess in the scheme of things, everyone came together on the bike, even though there was the lead pack and the chase pack. So it did come down to a running race. Yeah, and, and I definitely thought that was going to happen. Um, I mean, that course with the guys the way they are right now, the there there's just there's too many good swimmers and good cyclists that mm. I just, I just didn't think things would stay apart uh, the same way they ended up doing in the women's race. But I, I really thought that it would come into a big pack. There might be, you know, a straggling pack of 10 people. Uh, but, but the thing is whenever they make these technical courses, like U-turns and all these things, they actually end up bringing the packs together because it strings things out, slows things down. Mm. Um, so I, it was pretty much exactly as I kind of expected that race to play out. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. There has been this, um, sort of trend of a difference between the bikes parts in the women's and the men's races recently. Um, but anyway, I guess we should discuss that run because we saw Alex Yi do a great transition. Um, and when he went on to that run, he, you could tell he had a clear statement to the field that he was going for gold. Um, he looked very strong, composed, confident. Um, but clearly Blumenthal had a plan, however risky, <laughs> and he executed it to perfection, like running away with 1K to go. So I'm like, is it too early? Is it like, you know, but how do you feel about that tactic as it played out? You know, what actually most impressed me about Alex's race was his bike. Um, you know, there was a lot of times when he was driving that second group early to catch that initial first group. And that that's what I've actually been really impressed with is his cycling has kind of taken it to that next level, which then allows him to run fast. And that that's the bridge that a lot of people don't make who are fast runners. Um, mm. But, you know, that's the way that he needed to win that race. He needed to go and just say, I'm putting my stamp on this. You're not going to catch me. I'm going for it. You know, that's sometimes what you have to do as a good runner is, is do that and just basically put everybody else's thought out of their head that they're even going to catch you. Um, and then they start fighting for second place. So I, I, I thought he did it perfectly. That's kind of why I thought he'd run away with the race uh, because I knew he would go with that tactic. Uh, but, you know, Christian, as amazing as he is, you know, people were, weren't expecting him to do well. Um, you know, it's funny, I look back at his results and I didn't realize how much, 
uh, or how many like second, third, fourth places he's gotten, you know, because yeah. he's the guy who makes the race, right? He goes out there, he pushes hard. Um, but, you know, I mean, he's an amazing athlete. So I think it was a matter of time before he had that really good breakthrough, uh, which happened at the Olympics. You know, what a time to sort of put your foot down and say, I'm going to win this race at the Olympics. Um, but Alex, he really has sort of shaking things up in the circuit for the men. From my little bit of reading, he already started doing elite men's races in 2018. So that's not a very long period of time to go from a pretty much sort of junior um, new to triathlon to winning a silver medal. And we've seen it in a similar situation with Beth Potter. She competed in the Olympics in athletics before choosing to switch to triathlon. Because you were also a runner, Jared, um, running cross-country and track at Dartmouth College before starting triathlon. So how did you feel transitioning from triathlon to triathlon from running? (laughs) It's interesting. I mean, Alex obviously kind of grew up in the sport and, you know, was doing young races, but also running. I mean, he's run, you know, 1330 for 5K, which is ridiculous as a 18, 19 year old. Um, And... So, you know, that for me, it was a matter of time before he picked a sport and figured out which one he wanted to do at the highest level. And I think he made the right choice with triathlon. Um, mm. You know, Beth is slightly different. And there's a history of, of those types of athletes, um, especially in, in Great Britain, coming over from, from running into, uh, into triathlon. And uh, it always amazes me for people to take that jump at a later age at a younger age, when you have more time and more development, um, you know, time to develop, that's, that's, I think when it's a little bit easier, uh, you know, my, my background in, in running, I was, you know, uh, I, I swam in high school. I ran in high school. I played tons of other sports. Um, I, I was a good runner, but I knew I wasn't going to make the Olympics in running. So I kind of had fun with it. Uh, the last year at college, I actually ran faster when I was doing triathlon training. Uh, and not running as much. Um, and so for me, you know, I had a little bit of background in swimming, so it was easier to take that jump into triathlon. Uh, but you know, that's where a lot of our really good athletes come from, especially in the U S they come from the collegiate program, having been runners. Uh, so, you know, I don't, I don't think that there's one pathway for triathletes, which, which is also, I, I think a good thing for the sport because it constantly drives the, the different sports to new levels Mm. right you bring a fast runner in all of a sudden people have to increase their running you bring a fast swimmer in people are gonna have to pick their swimming up somebody is a good biker you know it's to me that's what makes the sport cool is it is a lot more dynamic because you have different people coming in from different backgrounds yeah i mean i think there was a time let's say gwen jorgensen era where um I think more or less the girls would all come together on the bike and would come down to a running race. But then Flora Duffy came in and decided I can ride this whole 40K myself. And <laughs> you have to catch me. So. And, and one of the interesting things, if you, if you go back, you know, years and years and years, back, you know, 2006, 2007, 2008, the women's races were just like that. They were packs. You had um, Sheila Termina, Laura Bennett, Emma Snowsill, and they'd be in this pack of four or five people at the front. There'd be little chase packs in the women's race, the men's race. We'd be a big group of people at the front. Um, you know, our, our race in 2008 Beijing was just a pack of 60 guys or 55 guys. And 
And so then the men's race is switched. The women's race is switched. The women's became yeah. a pack race. The men's. So it is interesting how things kind of go back and forth um, just as, as the sport progresses. Um, and I love that. I just think it's so cool that, that that's the case in the sport. It's never the same from year to year. Mm. Well, moving on to the women, your medal predictions were, if I've got this correct, Katie Zafer is from the U.S., George Taylor Brown from the UK and Fl- Flora Duffy from Bermuda. So that's my that's my US uh, US, you know, favoritism maybe coming out a little bit. <laughs> well, she was still on the podium, so yeah. <laughs> you know. No, okay. So then I predicted Duffy, Taylor Brown, and then Taylor Nib. Um, who is quite a young American athlete that won Yokohama. So I was thinking, well, maybe she could shake things up. But um, yeah, you were spot on, just like not exactly the correct order. And I predicted one and two correctly, but um, yeah, not the third. So I think we both did pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's important to note Jess Learmont's unbelievable swim, which I think was over a minute faster than her leading swim in the test event two years ago so the, the same course and it just meant that everyone was scrambling from the start katie zafira has commented after the race that she really needed to garner all of her energy to just hold on to the feet at the front of the pack and she's a really great swimmer um so what do you think about that tactic and how it separated the entire field i mean that was the race really and you know the, that swim was the race. And when I, once I saw it string out fast and broke break up, I said, "Nope, this is it." You know, whoever's in this top six, seven people, they're your medal contenders. That's it, no question. And yeah. you know, and it was the people who we expected to be in there. I'd say, you know, maybe missing one or two people, uh, but but those are the people that you kind of expect to be in that pack. Uh, and so I, I loved it. I thought it was great. You know, it's somebody taking, taking the race by the horns and, and just going for it. And, you know, that was the tactic she needed to play to make sure that she was going to be in a good place. Cause she knows her run is not necessarily mm-hmm. a top three run. So I, I loved it. I, I saw that and I said, this is, this is going to be fun. It's going to be a, you know, a fast race. They're going to be going for it. There's going to be no let up in here. And then you see Flora in there and you say, oh, this bike's going to be fast. <laughs> or, yeah. you know, just full gas type race, which which was really, really, really cool. I mean, they say you can't win in the swim, but you can lose the triathlon. So I think, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And no boats in the way. There were noticeably yeah. less boats in the water for the women's. <laughs> But that water temperature, swimming that fast in 28 degree temperature, I, it's like swimming in a bath or a spa. It's just incredible that they managed to keep that pace and then keep going. Yeah, um, we, Beijing was actually pretty similar to that. Um, it was hot out. The water was pretty warm. And, mm. you know, we were doing a lot of the same things, cooling vests. We had ice in our caps, down our suits before the start. It, it's hard. But the thing is, the second you get in the water, you know, a minute later, you're already hot. So there's, there's yeah. kind of nothing you can do. It's nice. It feels good before, but you just kind of have to go for it. I felt much worse for the marathon swimmers who were in there for two hours. Oh, I said, oh my gosh, gosh that's horrible. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I saw them like getting their water and I was just thinking they should come to Dubai and like train there because I <laughs> similar, but yep. not for 10K, not yep. for two hours. No, no way. But yeah, as you said, the swim sort of makes or breaks the race. And as a result, 
many, many strong triathletes, some big medical contenders potentially, were lapped out on this short, wet technical bike course. And we, we saw it in Rio in a similar sense that they like these sort of short 5K laps and then they do multiples of them. Um, but one of the things I find a bit sad is that in that front pack, there was a Brazilian athlete, Victoria Lopez, who gave her like heart and soul to it. She stuck with the swim. She was there for six out of the eight bike laps. And with some of the most skilled female cyclists on the circuit right now, and then she just couldn't hold on. And her run as a result wasn't her best and did not reflect her race at all. Um, it, yeah, when there were other athletes who were just chilling in the pack and then finished ahead of her. So how do you feel about that sort of race and the situation that can happen like that? Yeah, I mean, that's racing, right? I, you know, her, her card that she was playing was the swim and trying to hang on on the bike and then see what happens on the run. Um, you know, for an athlete like that, what, what, what you hope as a, a fan of the sport is that they continue to work on the back half of their bike and their run, you know, mm. and, and I think that's one of the interesting things about triathlon is that you can constantly improve on those different bits and pieces. She's obviously an amazing swimmer, um, you know, and then the other part of me says, what, what's the difference going to be if they go and do these shorter races, which is what they're talking about for the next Olympics. I mean, mm. she goes from having that type of a race to potentially being somebody who's in the mix for a medal, just because she is in that pack. She can hang on for half of a bike. She can hang on for a 5k run and it just completely changes the race. Uh, and you know, there's other people, I mean, Summer obviously fell off as well in, in those conditions. Um, you know, she's been working hard on her cycling. She's a good runner. Uh, so she just had to stick in there and that was her chance. But, you know, that's racing, right? You get you get yeah. dealt the hand that you get dealt with, you know, what you're good at. So, um, you know, I, I, I expected also people like Flora and Georgia Taylor-Brown and Katie who are better uh, cyclists to try and do things to drop the people who they didn't want around anymore. Uh, mm. So, yeah, so that's always fun to watch too. And I guess it's always sort of advantageous for them to try and push that gap between the chase back as much as they can. And so if you couldn't hold on, then that's tough, yep. I guess. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Harsh, but true. And of course, it was very unlucky for Georgia Taylor-Brown to have the flat at the end of the last lap. So Nat left at 22 seconds behind the other runners how hard do you think it was for her to close that gap into second place? It, 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 it's crazy. I, you know, that was unbelievably unfortunate for her. It was weird. We were watching the race and I saw her slow down around the corner and look. And I said, she flatted. And like <laughs> our announcers didn't pick up on it at all. And, and I just said, she flatted. She looked at the wheel pit. And like, they didn't, they didn't show anything. Then the next one, she did the same thing. I was, and I said, she, she has a black tire. Like that has to be what's happening. There's no reason that she, for her to fall off, for her to look at the wheel pit. She's making that calculation, do this now, get to transition, which one's faster, you know? Um, so, you know, that obviously puts a little bit of stress in you too, a little bit of adrenaline. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think she probably would have come in second, no matter what. I don't think Flora was going to lose that race. Um, so in, in the end, I don't think it changed anything. Um, you know, put, she had to put a little bit more effort in, maybe it made the race a little bit more, you know, more fun for us to watch, um, yeah. than her kind of running away at the beginning. 
um, from Katie, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those situations where as an athlete, um, you know, I don't, I don't know that it changed anything in, in the way that the race would have played out or what she would have done differently at the end, but it sure is one of those, Oh my gosh, I cannot believe that that happened. <laughs> type situations. Yeah. It was great to watch. For yeah. sure. <laughs> I guess it could have been worse. Um, you know, she could have gotten a halfway through the bike. So um, yeah, she was able to run that back and Flora executed the perfect race as did Christian. It would appear um, she made the gutsy decision to run away from all the other athletes at the start of the run. Um, and no one could catch her because <laughs> um, like in the past athletes have tried this tactic in accelerating from the start only to crash and burn later on but she um, clearly was in form and um, yeah didn't look bad and yeah we were just so happy to see her completely dominate that race and I think our favorite image was just seeing her cheering Casey on with open arms to embrace her on the finish line like as if it was yeah. just as important to her as her own achievement yeah. Yeah. And, you know, part of that, I, I think, is that people know what happened with Katie and her dad passing in April. So, you know, for her to make it back and be at that level is uh, is is tough. And and, and the, the other thing, I mean, I I am, you know, really, really good friends with both Flora and Katie. Uh, you know, Katie's, you know, one of my wife and I's best friends and we were at her wedding and, and everything. So she's a great friend. We've been talking with her, you know, nonstop. Um, and, and Flora was my training partner for three years uh, when I was in Boulder. Uh, actually, it's probably more than that, four years. I don't know. But anyways, I, so I've trained with both of them. I know exactly what they're capable of. Uh, they're both amazing people. So I, I you know, I, I, I was in tears while watching the end of that for, for both those reasons, because, um, you know, Flora is just an amazing person, an amazing athlete. She works so hard. Uh, and, and Katie is the same. Um, and, you know, with everything that happened to her, I, I was just so happy that she was able to achieve what, what I know she was capable of, uh, you know, this whole time. So, um, just so cool. But, but beyond that, I mean, Flora is an amazing athlete and it, it, it's so cool to watch her progression as she kind of, you know, started in the sport at a young age. She was racing ITU races and elite races back in like 2007. And she was at the 2008 Olympics. I mean, just unbelievable to, to have that longevity, have as many ups and downs as she's had and to continue to get better. That's, that's the cool thing um, about Flora. Well, she said in the sort of post-race interview that she'd been dreaming of Olymp being the Olympic champion since she was eight years old. So I guess it has been that very long journey. Uh -huh. um, but did you also have dreams of becoming an Olympian when you were younger? You mentioned that you knew you weren't going to do it with your running. I My dream was to play play baseball at Fenway Park for the Red Sox growing up. Uh, <laughs> so that was my dream as a kid. Uh, you know, I, 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 baseball is my first love. Then I got into running, uh, and, and I loved running, uh, then triathlon. I mean, I really didn't even kind of know what triathlon was until, you know, senior year of high school. Um, I didn't think that I would really do it until at some point in college. So for me, the, the Olympic dreams and wanting to, you know, win the Olympics or win world championships didn't really start. I'd say probably until like 2003 or 2004 when I said, Oh man, I can be pretty good at this sport. Uh, yeah. And, and it's weird though, even now I watched, I watched the Olympics. This is the first one, you know, since I started in triathlon that I, I, I didn't have a vested interest in, you know, I made 2008, I just missed 12 and 16. 
And so it was cool to go in there and I'm still saying, can I, can I get back there? (laughs) And then I'm like, nope, 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 I'm good. (laughs) I'm good. (laughs) Yeah. You You can just enjoy it. Alex, you like just bouncing ahead and it's like, Oh my gosh. It's for the young. Yeah. I mean, 30, 39 years old now. And, and, you know, you can have these dreams, but, uh, but I, I know that I cannot run sub 14 minutes for a, for a 5k at this point in time. Well, and Nicholas Spirig still was top 10. <laughs> <laughs> yep, uh, that's true. That's true. 39 years old, three children. Yep, and, and Javi. Javi's older than me, so, yep. Well, that's true, yeah. And he didn't do too bad, yeah. Nope, nope. Never too late. <laughs> um, so with this year, there was the introduction of the mixed team relay as an Olympic sport. And we've noted that a lot of people who don't really know triathlon have commented how exciting it was thanks to the fast and furious nature of it and for the listeners who don't know um, the mixed team relay is where two women and two men from each country race over a 300 meter swim a six to seven kilometer bike and a one and a half to two kilometer run before tagging onto their teammates yeah so jared you predicted USA being patriotic again, <laughs> uh, GB France. I mean, it wasn't too bad. You're pretty much right uh, on the money there. I was also being patriotic um, and predicted Australia, GB US. Um, I think we can agree that Great Britain pulled off the perfect race. Um, yeah, everyone, uh, they were pretty much leading from the get-go. And um, But the most exciting part, I guess, was the final leg where Vincent Louis from France chased you in the swim, gained some ground, attacked on the bike, <laughs> um, catching him for the most part on his own and like had a clear intent of trying to run him down, which is really gutsy given that um, he had a serious lead time and is a great runner. Um, I mean, it would have been amazing if uh, Louis could have pulled that off. It would have been the greatest win of his career. Um, <laughs> how did you feel watching all that action? My first thought is, man, I wish I had been able to do this in eight or 12 or 16 because we had such good teams in the U.S. I'm like, I probably would have had an Olympic medal. That, that was honestly my first thought. You know, it's kind of the selfishness of that, right? Um, you know, it's a cool sport. I had the opportunity to, to race a couple times uh, in it. Um, it's, it's just different and dynamic. Um, you know, my, my, the one thing I don't like about it is that not all countries have a good second, uh, female athlete, which I mm. think takes a lot of, of countries out of contention, uh, which like is unfortunate, Norway, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. Norway. I mean, Spain as well. So, you know, that to me, that that's what it is, but you can say the same thing for any, any relay, right. Is that, you know, some mm. teams have two or three world champions, <laughs> you know, in the hundred freestyle and 50 freestyle, and then they just don't have two other people. Um, so, you know, that, that it is what it is. Uh, but I I mean, yeah, what a cool event. It came off great. Um, you know, and, and the way I've always looked at that race is that your goal as a country is to stay in the race until the last leg. It doesn't matter Mm -hmm. how much of a lead you have because a pack is always going to catch an individual person. Um, and we kind of saw that happen behind Great Britain where, you know, the U S, um, and, uh, the U.S. was up in the front with them for a while, and then France kind of came in later, right? And yeah, and and it was that pack of I think five that were you know the second group that kind of caught back up, and and those are the dynamics that make it a lot more interesting. 
but you know, I, 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 the only thing that I'm mad at is I don't know what Morgan was doing, trying to fix something on his shoe. I'm, I'm sitting there going, <laughs> I'm going, pay attention. He's going to attack on you. He's going to attack on you, you know? And I mean, you know, yeah. Is, is Vince you know, one of the best cyclists in the sport and smart cyclists? Absolutely. Um, you know, he knew what he needed to do to try and break Morgan to get that gap. He knew what he needed to do to try and get away from Yi. You know, he knows that. And then now also now we learned that he was hurt running wise. So he knew that he needed mm-hmm. that gap running wise. So um, it, that was just cool. It was smart. You know, his part, it was cool to see the tactics. I mean, he just ran away with it. I knew if Morgan was there. He was going to, you know, run a 420 mile or I don't even know what his split was, but, you know, ridiculously fast to try and, you know, get catch back up. So I just knew it'd be fun at the end when I saw those three basically were going to be in the mix. It was going to be a pretty cool finish. Yeah, and it definitely was. Um, so in Tokyo, the federations used athletes who could, who also competed in the individual event for the relay. Do you think in the future it could be an opportunity for more athletes to race at the Olympics by bringing in, for example, mixed relay specialists? Swimmers get to specialize in individual events and have a range of athletes compete for medals. It seems like triathlon doesn't really have much opportunity to do that in this regard. I don't know what the future is going to be. I know that they don't necessarily want more athletes at the Olympics. They don't mind having mm. more medals. Um, so I'm not, you know, I'm not sure. I, I've always thought that the coolest race would be an individual time trial, non-draft Olympic distance type situation, you know, almost like the TT on the bike and cycling. I, I think mm. that would be cool where there's people are starting off at minute or two minute increments. And, you know, you've got the people sitting there waiting and seeing if somebody's going to beat them. Like to me, that would be cool. Um, you know, I do think that they're going shorter and faster. So I think in the future, you're going to have a sprint distance race instead of an Olympic distance race at the, at the Olympics, which, which to me is sad. Um, Cause I think the Olympic distance race is a lot more dynamic. Um, mm. But, you know, that's going to be shorter races. You're going to have a little bit younger athletes, faster athletes. Um, you know, I don't know if countries are going to prioritize the mixed relay over the individual event. Um, you could have that. I mean, who was it? Um, the, the Netherlands didn't even have their guys race. Right. And, and to me, that seems kind of sad because, you know, that that's part of the whole thing is racing. I don't know that it would have changed how they finished. Right. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the, the big question is, do they try and bring in the sprint race or a trials finals sprint race? And I think that's going to really change everything about the Olympics if they make that big decision. Like, I guess the move to shorter, just like the sprint distance is more for entertainment value, would you say, rather than just, um, I, I don't really see because having the long race means that you do get to have all the drama. You do get to see the bike um, chase, the, the packs join together, and you do get to see the amount of time for people to catch um, other people on the run. For example, in a sprint, you don't have as much breathing room. And it means that you don't have as much opportunity to sort of recover from mistakes made. So it's just interesting that they're choosing yep. to just make it shorter. And that 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 is kind of what i always have seen is a sprint race you come out of the water you bike really hard you run really hard and a lot of the gaps just kind of stay the same because everybody can bike hard for 20k and run fast for you know fairly fast for 5k 
um, you know, 40K does allow for attacks to happen, changes to happen. If you put the right course, you know, things can happen in those races. And I, I don't feel like they happen quite as often in the sprint distance uh, races. But, you know, I just think that it's compressed timeline. It, you know, it, it, it feels better that way. It's shorter, it's, it's quicker, but I don't know that the race dynamics are necessarily as much fun. Mm. Well, I guess, um, oh, sorry, Marina, I was going to say just like, maybe the athletes aren't going to be too happy and maybe we'll vocalize that. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I think there's already been, because what we're going to do after we finish um, this call with you is watch the Montreal race because um, they've started the first day of the weekend and that's <laughs> had some controversy amongst some of the athletes. Uh, yeah, I I didn't even realize that they were doing this double double day eliminator format until last week when I just kind of looked at it. I just thought they were doing a trials finals. Um, it's a completely different race. I mean, you're, you're talking yeah. about completely different way of training, completely different way of racing. It's, it's, it's not, it's not the same. Um, it doesn't mean it's bad. It's just completely different. It's like, it's like training for the 50 or hundred meter freestyle versus training for the 1500. I mean, you know, totally different ways cheese, yeah yeah and especially yeah. athletes haven't trained for this they've trained <laughs> for the olympics so yeah you're, you're gonna have the people who did not race the olympics do much better at this the, this yeah. type of format the, the the olympic hangover is absolutely real i was i couldn't <laughs> do anything after the olympics i got sick my body just said no thank you i'm good you gotta chill so I, you know, I, I, I sure hope that people do well who raced at the Olympics, but a lot of times it's uh, the people who either did horrible at the Olympics or the people who just didn't even race the Olympics that end up kind of doing better the rest of the year. Well, it is a very condensed timeline because yep. it was, how long ago was the races last yeah. week? Yeah, right. And then <laughs> they've got this weekend, which sounds like quite an intense weekend of super sprints. And a mixed team relay on top of it all. And yep. it's Edmonton the next weekend, I think. So, yeah, it will be interesting. Yep. I had to look up the word repechage, which uh, <laughs> kind of proves uh, how much I don't really understand about this new thing that they're yeah. doing. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, that's a that's a rowing term that I yeah. They, if you don't don't make it in the first round, you get a chance to make it back, but you got a longer path to get there. Yeah, much longer path from yeah. the looks of it. Um, excuse me. It is certainly not an enviable task for federations to select athletes, especially with some countries like the U.S. having so many high caliber athletes. How do you feel about having one race determine whether an athlete should be automatically selected for an Olympic spot? We have seen in the past that the highest ranking athletes who presumably have the most consistent races and hence highest medal chance sometimes miss out with this pre-selection process. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's funny because I actually qualified in 2007 on the first u.s athlete across the line at the beijing test event uh so that's how i qualified for my first olympics and and i was you know one of six athletes on the line uh from the u.s i you know i had great odds there right um and mm. so for me i i think that it can be okay if you have the right athletes there and if your good athletes actually do well you know, I mean, yeah. and, and obviously this got a lot of 
of traction here in the U.S. just because Taylor uh, Spivey didn't make the team and Katie did. And the problem there is you're picking between two of the best athletes in the world. I mean, yeah. to be honest, you know, <laughs> what do you do, right? I mean, I'm friends with I'm friends with, I'm friends with both of them. They're both amazing people, amazing athletes. Um, you know, I mean, Katie Katie probably would have made the team if she hadn't crashed in Tokyo the first time, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, she was in the place where she needed to be to race well. She was killing it, number one in the world, etc. Um, you know, what do you do? But but Great Britain, same thing. I mean, they they probably could have had a B relay that would have come in second or third <laughs> in the mixed relay. Uh, it's, it's always, it's always tough. Um, and I actually ended up talking to a, um, the president of another federation, um, another, uh, different sport federation in the U S who I met at one of our Olympic viewing parties. And, um, you know, he actually was talking about that and, you know, selecting athletes really far out versus close and why triathlon did what they did. And, you know, how do you replace that athlete if they're not doing well, et cetera. And I think that's, you know, part of the problem is that, I mean, I feel for most countries, it's not an issue because they only have a couple of athletes who are, you know, at that Olympic caliber. Uh, and then you've mm-hmm. got countries like the U.S., Great Britain, France, Australia, who, who are, you know, I mean, you could have picked from a dozen different athletes and, and had, you know, had athletes who were of that level. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the answer is. Um, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I don't like the one-off race thing though, to be honest, because it does, it's not the Olympics. So everybody who says, you know, they performed on the day that they were supposed to perform the day you're supposed to perform is the Olympics. It doesn't, you know, it, it right in the end, that's it. It, it you know, yes, it's cool that yeah. you performed on, you know, on, you know, April 22nd or whatever, you know, to qualify for it at Yokohama, but who cares? you know, you need to perform on the Olympics. And in my mind, taking the most consistent athletes over time who have the best results, those athletes are the ones who are uh, more capable of performing on that day than somebody who just has a a really good one-off race or, you know, finishes 10 spots higher than normal or somebody else crashes out. Um, Mm. Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know that there's ever going to be an answer to that. I think that that is the olympic conundrum <laughs> if yeah. there ever was one for most countries and i guess well as an olympian yourself how did you cope with the excitement and i guess the pressure of the olympics because as you say you have to perform on the day and that's a lot of pressure or was for you was it just like any other race on the circuit yeah it oh it was not fun most of the time to be honest um you know it racing the olympics was awesome the build-up, the lead-up, the year before. I mean, the amount of interview requests and media requests and sponsor photo shoots. I oh my gosh, it's just never-ending, and it's good, right? You want that publicity, you want it for your sport, you want it for yourself, you want to be able to get your name out, but it gets tiring. Um, and it, I actually told a couple of the U.S. Olympians, it's okay to say no. You know, be be smart, pick and choose what you're going to do because you can't do everything and still race well. Uh, and and I think that's one thing that I learned. Um, and you have you, you just have to you have to really respect um, your training and your mental health. Um, and I know that came up yeah. a lot and it's there's so many different levels of mental health. Um, but, but you do have to take some you time during that process to enjoy it and, and still have fun. 
uh, because it can become a chore at times. But then again, it was awesome. Racing Olympics was amazing. <laughs> I was one of the you know coolest experiences of my life, meeting all these other athletes. Uh, it, it, it you know looking back on it as I've gotten older, it, I feel like it's even cooler now. <laughs> so. Yeah. So, you know, I'd say there's always good and bad with everything, um, but it's making sure that you, you put yourself in the right place and and mindset for it. Oh, definitely. And, you know, Flora Duffy was saying she had the whole press of Bermuda on her shoulders and she managed to, you know, um, succeed and do the very best she could and did them proud. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yep. She, yeah, she will be the queen of Bermuda. (laughs) (laughs) um so do you have a highlight in your career or maybe your proudest moment um I mean honestly probably winning Hamburg WTS in in 2009 is is probably the highlight um in part because I I had a couple races before that that one didn't go well. One, I didn't make the move I should have made to try and win the race. And so that race, I went into it and said, I am going to win this race. I am going to run away from everybody. And I actually did it. Um, so, so for me, that was, I'd say a, a, a big part of it, um, with that. And then, and then the other, I mean, I, I can't ever say that winning duathlon world championships on home soil in the U S was, uh, was not cool that was that was really really an awesome experience to to win a world championships on home soil if anyone's interested listeners um go back to watch on triathlon live that hamburg race because it's very it's an entertaining <laughs> race and um yeah jared smashes it <laughs> uh, you can go all yeah. the way back it's great yeah, yeah. <laughs> we did that so long ago <laughs> no, no, the no, videos no. exist <laughs> Um, so yeah Hamburg probably has a very special place in your heart um I was wondering if you had a favorite race venue or like a favorite place in the world to train uh I I really enjoyed racing in Washington DC when we had that race just because you know it's our U.S. capital and swimming in the Potomac biking by all the monuments was was pretty cool um so I'd say that's probably the the coolest race that I I did but I you know, still swimming in Sydney Harbor and, uh, being at, um, you know, being right in front of the opera house that that's just, I mean, iconic and unbelievable. And that's one of the cool things with triathlon is that we had a lot of opportunities to race in some really, really amazing places. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, in terms of places to train, oh man, I, you know, I, I kind of enjoyed a lot of different places. Um, I, you know, I, I don't say, I don't know if there's a place that I love the most uh but i i had fun everywhere i trained i enjoyed training in australia new zealand um you know i i had fun when we were in stellenbosch south africa and i think that that was one of the cool things was was getting to experience and see all these different places and cultures yeah well i guess now that you've retired from triathlon it seems that uh, more recently you've been doing some adventure races like Seems you're at one right now, <laughs> um, like walking yeah. and trekking, etc. So, like, what led you down that pathway? I am still competitive, uh, not as fast as I used to be, and uh, and and adventure racing is really mentally challenging as well as physically challenging. So, you know, reading maps, staying up for 24 hours or more, 
um, you know, packing the right food, uh, you know, learning, learning navigation, orienteering. Um, it's, it's, it's just very dynamic. And so I've quite enjoyed that, that difference, um, besides, you know, just going out there and just swimming, biking and running. Uh, so I've enjoyed it. Um, I don't love biking on the roads anymore, uh, now that I don't have to. So, you know, mountain biking is a lot more fun. Uh, you know, but the people who got me into it are actually Sarah McClarty, who's a former professional triathlete who I race with, uh, lives in the same town as me. Um, and she was trying to get me to do this for the past five years. Now that I started doing it, she's done with adventure racing. So I've only raced with her a couple of times. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just cool. It's a, and it's a cool community. It's small. I mean, uh, so I've just, I've just enjoyed it. Um, enjoyed being out in the woods and, and just doing something completely different, um, is, has been, has been good. I've, I've enjoyed it. Yeah. It looks really fun. So a question that we ask everyone who comes onto our little show, if you could have a conversation with anyone in the world from past or present, who would it be? And what would you ask them? Yeah, you told me you might ask me this. And um, I really, I, it's, it's one of those things that I just don't know. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a history person. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like it would probably be somebody in, in the like American past that would be cool. Like, I mean, I feel like somebody like Benjamin Franklin would be cool to talk to, you know, because of his experiences and the things that he did. Um, that, that to me is cool. I mean, I, you know, Hey, maybe going, going even way further back would be, it would be kind of fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it'd have to be somebody in the history line, early American for me, just cause that's what I just enjoyed studying and learning about. So, um, yeah, so maybe we'll just go with Benjamin Franklin on that one. He's <laughs> probably got a few interesting stories to share. Oh, I'm sure. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and there's probably a few things that have been exaggerated on uh, since, since they <laughs> happened too, right? Yeah. No hyperbole at all no. throughout history. No. None at all. Never. Uh, well, I think those are all the questions that we have. Um, so thank you so much, Jared, for talking with us. We really appreciate you taking time uh, to analyze the Olympics. Um, yeah, it was really enjoyable. Yeah, thank you for having me on. It's really great to, to talk to you guys and talk about talk about the Olympics. It was definitely a, a, a great event for our sport and I hope that it, you know, continues mm. to, to show how cool triathlon is and how dynamic it can be. We'll have to send you our predictions for the final at the end of the year. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, we'll see what happens in Montreal and then we can see if the Olympians are actually still still able to race. <laughs> really mentally checked out. A good point. <laughs> We will say. <laughs> well, we'll let you get back. Um, so thank you so much and uh, good luck with your race. <laughs> thank you guys. 